Good morning, everyone. West Monroe, we are glad you are here this morning. Everybody glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. I'm not particularly thrilled with the outside situation, uh, but we're going to have a good situation inside today. I'm not somebody that appreciates winter very much at all. Um, I've been... I've been complaining a lot about that to my wife lately. Um, in fact, I even got on Realtor.com trying to see if I could convince my entire family to move somewhere warm. I haven't been able to do that yet, uh, but uh, I'm working on it. Uh, but we're going to have a good time in the house of the Lord today. Looking forward to Pastor's message this morning and a time of worship. Uh, we're going to get into our Sunday school lesson here for a little while this morning. I don't have a, a, a big, profound, uh, necessarily... A deep theological um, lesson this morning, but I think, you know, as we start this new year, this is our first Sunday of 2024, it's good to sometimes be reminded of some of the, the, uh, the fundamental things of the Lord, and so hopefully we can talk about that a little bit this morning. Amen. In uh, Atlanta, Georgia, in 1988, there was a man that stood before tens of thousands of people and gave a speech, and the speech was being broadcast in front of millions and millions of people across the nation. And in that speech, he was talking about something that I want to talk to us about here this morning, and his overall theme, his, his overarching uh, sort of uh, point was, was about hope. And I want to talk to us about hope this morning. That man in that day was talking about himself and how he was somebody that, below he stood there at that time, um, a very famous man, and he stood there at that time, very well-off man. His point was he hadn't always been that way, that he was a man that had been born in a slum. He was very, very poor. His parents or his mom actually had no insurance at all. He was born in bed at home. He was born of a teenage mother who had been born of a teenage mother. He talked about how um, he didn't have a name when he was born, and so he had to take on his grandmother's name before later in life he changed his name yet again. He talked about how they didn't have any money at all. Uh, many people, he said, neighbors, friends, that he would go to their houses and they would have wallpaper up on the wall for decoration. He said, we used it for windbreakers when it was cold outside. He said, we had nothing. He said, my mom would go to work with big runs in her stockings so that she could make sure our socks matched when we went to school and didn't get laughed at. And his point was, of course, that he, was, he had been in situations that were dire, that it looked like there was no way out, that it looked like there was no hope. And as he stood there that day, he gave this, what is now a famous speech, and the last few words of that speech, he said some lines that really have become his trademark um, and, and it's what most people know him by today, and it was this. Keep hope alive. Keep hope alive. And so for a few minutes today, I want to talk to us about that. Of course, that man's name was Jesse Jackson. And in that moment, he was declaring his candidacy for the presidency at the Democratic National Convention. Politics aside, I think there's some value in what he was saying that day. That as long as we have the ability to do so, there is hope. That there's never a situation that's so grim or so dim that it is without hope. Hope is a powerful thing. It, in fact, Paul tells us 
saves us. And we'll get to that in a moment. But we today, I pray, can keep hope alive. It doesn't matter where you are in your life, where you're sitting here today, you can hope. And hope is a powerful thing. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 27. We're going to read a few verses here out of Matthew 27 and 28. Probably not going to take a long time this morning, but I just feel like it's a good time in, 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 uh, to be reminded and to understand that we've always got hope. 27, starting at verse 50. Of course, this is the time when uh, the end of the life of Christ on this earth and his death on the cross and then transitioning into um, the point at which um, he was resurrected. And we're reading here verse 50 of Matthew 27. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. He died. The man, Christ Jesus, drew his last breath. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain. Such an incredibly significant event there. It was rent in twain from top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. A tragic, tragic, catastrophic event had just taken place here. Think about the people that were there that had followed him for all of those years as he ministered on the earth. Think about his mother that had watched him grow and become the man that he was and the God that he was. Think about the emotional uh, toll. Think about the things that must have been going through their mind and, the, and just, the, just the horrible uh, feelings and emotions that they were dealing with in that moment. What an emotional low they were in as they heard those words, to Telestai. Skipping down to verse 62, we move now to the next day. Matthew 27 tells us that the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees came together into Pilate. And they said, Sir, we remember that this deceiver, that was what they called him, that this deceiver said while he was yet alive that after three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead, so that the last error shall be worse than the first. They wanted to make sure. They wanted to, make abs- they wanted to put that thing on lockdown. There's no way anybody's going to get in there and do anything, you know, to what they were saying was nefarious and, 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 and make it look like something had happened that hadn't to further this, what they believed was a false doctrine. The irony, of course, is that what they were doing actually <laughs> made it very certain that when he rose, it was, it was the power of God that did it. Verse 65 says, Pilate said unto them, Ye have a watch, go your way, make it as sure as you can. Do all you can do. So they went and they made the sepulchral sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. It's almost like the last nail in the coffin. It's almost like if Mary and Martha and Peter and all of those that were there 
had any hope at all when they, I can just see it in my mind's eye if you'll allow me a little bit of poetic license for a minute. As that stone goes across and is sealed and that watchman stands there, it's almost like, well, there's no way now. It's definitely over now. And you can almost feel the, the just disappointment and letdown and just loss of hope and hopelessness that must have existed there for them. But we skip over to Matthew 28, verse 1. One verse later. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. I love that. This is not in my lesson, but I love the fact that he moved it out of the way, and it was just such not a big deal that he just sat down on it. <laughs> Verse 3, his countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. They fainted. Verse 5, and the angel answered and said unto the women, fear not, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. Now imagine, if you will, the difference in emotion that takes place in Mary and the other Mary. As now they recognize and they realize that everything that they had heard and dreamt about and understood now is real, it's true. Now all of the sadness is, a place, is replaced with elation and joy. And as they see all of their dreams come true in that garden that day, at the beginning of Matthew chapter 28, let's not forget about the three days that existed between those two verses. Because there was a lot of blank, dead, silent space that existed between the end of Matthew 27 and the beginning of Matthew 28. And the reality is that sometimes in our lives, we live in those blank, dead spaces. There are times in our lives when we don't know, as they didn't know, what the next step is going to be. When things appear hopeless, they appear like there's no way. It's a blank space. It's a dead space. It's a space of silence where we sometimes can't even feel God or see him. But we can, and this is what I'm here to say this morning, always have hope. Hope is such a powerful thing. Paul tells us we're saved by hope. He says that things that we can see, that's not something we hope for. We can see it. But hope is something that we wait for, and we're saved by it. Webster says that hope is a desire accompanied by expectation of or belief in fulfillment. It's not just something I want, but it's something that I believe is going to happen. I have put my hope in something that I, even though I can't see it, I believe that it's going to happen. We always have hope. Hope, Hebrews tells us, is the foundation of faith. Faith is the substance of what? Things hoped for. Without hope, you have nothing upon which faith can stand. Faith then is just the 
putting action to, living your life in such a way that you are hoping to the point of action, and it becomes faith. Faith just puts action to your hope, but without hope, you don't have faith. You can't have faith. Faith can't be the substance without hope. So hope is very, very, very important, obviously. And in those times, those blank spaces in our lives, times when we think that God is maybe even dead, as they watched Jesus Christ die that day on that cross, there are times in our lives, and, you know, it's 2024, maybe we resolve to be honest with ourselves this year. How about that? There are times in our lives when we look in the mirror and say, I just don't know anymore. And we just can't feel, we can't see. Dead spaces, blank spaces in life. Things when we say that he's just not moving anymore. Brother Zuck, he's not moving in my life anymore. I, I, I don't know why, I don't know what's going on. It seems hopeless for me. He's not working. Times like Mary and Martha must have been in, in that space between the end of 27 and the beginning of 28. Times when we don't see a way. When everything that we thought that we knew has been turned upside down and we, we feel hopeless. And so what do we do? What do I do? Oftentimes I start to put my hope in things that are not the right things. I start to start putting my hope in things that maybe I can do about it. Maybe, maybe there's a way for me to fix this. Maybe, maybe I put my hope in my bank account, which I certainly don't do that, I'll tell you. Maybe I put my hope in my education. Maybe I put my hope in uh, my best friend who's just going to be there for me. Maybe I put my hope in all of these things, but I'm here to tell you today that if you don't put your hope in the right thing, it is not going to stand. Our hope has to be rooted in the right thing. It can't be in our own ability or accomplishment. It has to be in Jesus Christ. He is our hope. And I would say that true hopelessness really only exists when we put our hope in something other than him. But as long as we keep him the focus, we have hope. Let's take a quick look at the life of Judas as he has betrayed the master. What's the next thing that he does? He seems like he's in a hopeless situation. He recognizes what he's done, and he feels the hopelessness of where he sits. And instead of, he had the opportunity to, but instead of doing as Peter did and repenting and turning back to the Lord, he tries to put his hope in himself, in those maybe that he had dealings with. He tries to rectify the situation on his own. Judas tried to fix his own problem. His hope was misplaced. And when those things fail, as they did with Judas, we know how that story tragically ended. He failed to realize where his true hope was. And it's because even though he had seen the same things as all the other disciples, think about that. Judas was there when he fed the 5,000. Judas was standing right there when the miracles happened. He was right there when all of the great words of wisdom were espoused from the mouth of Christ and the parables were spoken and later those parables were, uh, were, were made to be understood to those disciples. Judas was right there. 
But you know, his body was there, but his heart wasn't. His heart was far from God. There's a verse in Isaiah that says, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth, and with their lips they do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me. And sadly, I can say that we can be sitting right here this morning in these pews and experiencing the same Jesus Christ, the same presence, worshiping in the same way, but our heart can be far from him. That, I will tell you this morning, West Monroe, is the only true hopeless situation. When we have removed our heart from God and placed our hope and our trust in something other than him. Because our hope only exists in him. The word hope appears 130 times in the King James Version of the Bible. In Psalms alone, it's there 21 times. In places like Psalm 31 where it says, Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. In Psalm 33 where he says, Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. Psalm 38 says, For in thee, O Lord, do I hope. Our hope is in him today. Psalm 39 says, Oh, Lord, what am I waiting for? My hope is in you. Psalm 42 says, Why, my soul, are you cast down? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. Mm. Psalm 71 says, Thou, O Lord God, art my hope. Psalm 130 says, Let Israel hope in the Lord. Psalm 146 says, Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Our hope is in Jesus Christ today. It's not in the things that we can do or the things that we can accomplish. Our only true hope lies in Jesus Christ today. And it's not just an Old Testament thing. Paul tells us over and over again throughout the New Testament and others about the hope that we have in Christ. He preached messages in Acts 23, 26, 27, and 28 to kings and even to Caesar about the hope of Israel, the resurrection of the dead. He told the church in Rome about hope in chapters 5, 8, 12, and 15. He, believed, or he told the church at Corinth in, in, in that there are three that abide, faith, and now abideth faith, hope, and charity. He revealed to the Galatians that we through the Spirit do wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. That hope of righteousness that he told the church of Colossae is a hope laid up for us in heaven, a hope of glory. And to the Thessalonians, he called it the hope of salvation. In Titus, he said, we're looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing and the great God of our Savior, Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 6, we know that we have a hope that is set before us that is the anchor of our soul. Peter tells us that we are begotten unto a lively hope. And last but certainly not least, Paul in his, some of his final words as he writes to his son in the faith, Timothy, declares that he himself was an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, which is our 
hope. I've just come this morning to tell us here at the beginning of 2024, there is hope. And our hope is in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what our circumstances or situation is. We still have hope in Jesus Christ. Keep hope alive this morning in 2024. Keep hope alive. Paul tells the Ephesians that there is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. There is one hope today, and in case you haven't gotten the point, his name is Jesus Christ. He is the only hope for us, for our world, for our city. And everything that we do as we go forward this year, we must remember and know he is our only hope. But I will tell you, and we know this to be true, honestly, that even though we know all of these things, and even with all of this word and all of this confirmation and affirmation about the hope that is Jesus Christ, there are still those times when we will be in blank spaces. There are still those times when we will know no feeling, when we won't be able to, as Job said, we, we look to the left and we look to the right, and we look ahead and we look behind, but I can't sometimes find him. We live sometimes in those blank spaces where there just seems to be no hope. But if we can just keep hope alive today, our, very, our greatest victory could be just three days away. Could be just three days away. As Mary and Martha that day traveled from where they were on the way to the sepulcher, they had no idea what was about to happen. They were walking in hopelessness, but in that fast, everything changed. You know why it changed? Because even though we may not see it, as the song says, even though we may not feel it, he's working. He never stops. He never stops working. Little did the disciples, little did Mary and Mary and Martha and all of the others know what was actually happening during those three days that were the darkest days of their lives. Little did they understand the victories that were being won in those three days. Those times when they thought it was hopeless were actually the times of greatest hope for all of mankind. It was in those three days that Jesus was defeating the greatest enemies of death and hell and the grave. It was in those three days that he was in the under parts of the earth preaching and ministering and spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those three days were the three days that turned around all of the history of mankind. But they didn't know that. All they saw was hopelessness and dead space. Keep hope alive today, West Monroe, because we don't know what the Lord is doing. We don't know what's happening in the places we can't see. But we can believe and we can trust and we can hope. Don't let those dry spaces in your life take away from you the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Keep hope alive today. Keep hope alive as I steal the line from 
Jesse Jackson this morning. That's something I hope that we can all resolve to do in 2024. I personally believe that this is going to be a great year for West Monroe. I believe that. I think it's going to be a great year for us spiritually, physically, but those things are not going to come without challenges. Those things are not going to come without some of those blank spaces. And I would hope that we this morning can resolve. You know, as we start a new year, that's what we do, right? We resolve. We look back and we see the way things were and we, we think about how we want them to be and we resolve. What can I do to, be, to take it from what it was to what I want it to be, right? That's, my, that's what my resolution is about. I see something that was, I want it to be something different. What can I do to affect that change? I pray today that we can resolve to keep hope alive in 2024. Keep hope alive, even in the dead spaces, because God is working. And even though we don't see it, even though we don't feel it, He's working. So this morning as we begin this new year and as we begin to uh, some of the things that we want to do to reach out into our community and to bring in prodigals this year into the house of the Lord, let's just know that no matter what the situation looks like, there is hope. For that lost loved one that you have that you thought there's no way they'll ever come back, there are people sitting in this room right here today that we thought the same thing about you. Amen. Because there's always hope in Jesus Christ. Amen. Keep hope alive today. Keep hope alive.